Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. And where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Rita, the South Australian Regional Coordinator for Faith FM. And if you like to make a comment or have your questions answered, you can text me at 0401-305-077. You can also email us info at faithfm.com.au. While you have the number which I just gave you, please just uh, send us a text, uh, an SMS if you like, because we are going to have a couple of offers today. And uh, one amazing DVD which I would like to give away today is Cosmic Conflict, The Origin of Evil. You can have this DVD in your hands, free of charge, no obligation, if you send an SMS to 0401-305-077. Our theme for this week, the church in an age of cultural change. And we dealt with a few questions. We looked at, um, has culture changed our picture of God? Can culture change truth? Has culture changed the church? And has culture changed biblical morality? We tackle a few of these um, great questions But today we are going to look at, has culture redefined sin and salvation? Our co-host today is uh, Ernst Williams, pastoring Adelaide City Church. That's correct, Nick. And uh, do you have another church, Ernst? No, after uh, after 15 years of ministry, I finally have only one church. And a good one. Oh, very good one. Very pleased. Right in the heart of Adelaide. Yes, right on Angus Street in the heart of of the city. By the way, can you just tell us a few things about uh, your church? Um, It's located, as I said, in the heart of Adelaide, uh, Angus Street, 82, I believe. 82 Angus Street, that's correct. Yeah, we have about a hundred and... Ooh, about 120 or so coming along by week to week. But, of course, with social distancing, we have half the people up in the hall, some in the church, all over the place. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah. By the way, I just heard about um, uh, today that you're running a, a program tomorrow night, uh, 7.30. That's or? correct. Yes, we're running a uh, – uh, we're raising some money for ADRA, which means Ad- uh, Adventist Development Relief Agency. So, yes. yeah, we've got a concert going on. Not a concert, sorry. It's a trivia night mm-hmm. that's taking place at 7 p.m. tomorrow night where people can come along and uh, we've got a cake auction, different things going on. I think even I'm going to be auctioned off as the pastor. So Are people you? can, they can uh, pay to have me to spend time with them for an hour. So, yeah, oh, there you go. Oh, amazing. <laughs> okay, I must come there and then oh, probably yeah. use that hour oh, wisely. I can clean your car, your house or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and by now, um, worship uh, times in uh, Adelaide City Church? Yeah. Yep, we meet in the morning for Bible studies at 9.30 to 10.30, and then our main service is 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. Mm. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Hey, Ernst, it's really good to have you with us today here Thanks on this it. program. And uh, as uh, I mentioned already, we are looking at some serious uh, uh, question uh, yeah. uh, today. I, I wrestled with this during the week, mate. It's a, a tough topic you've given me here. And and just uh, let's let's going straight into it, um, uh, Ernst. Uh, has culture redefined sin and salvation? What what do you think about this? Yeah, like um, 
as I was reflecting upon this question this week, Nick, it, uh, you know, it seems that the longer we live, the more people seem to increasingly reject biblical answers to key questions in life. Uh, many years ago, people would, you know, freely go to the Bible to find solutions to the problems that they're experiencing. And look, you know, the big questions in life, things like, you know, what's the meaning and purpose of life? Mm-hmm. Where do we come from? What happens when we die? Does objective truth actually still exist? And, it's uh, it's a little surprised that the current views of sin and salvation today are increasingly void of biblical understanding. A lot of people have moved away from the scripture and they've kind of ignored what the Bible mm-hmm. says about these things. And so, in, in a sense, to a lot of people, they don't even believe that sin exists. Right. So, uh, yeah. Okay, then um, uh, defining uh, key terms in uh, today's question, you know, uh, what, what would you like to say? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important that we define some of the terms that we're using here so we're all on the same page. Um, you know, when you look at the word culture, of course, culture has to do with the uh, the everyday existence shared by people in a place or time. So it involves things like, you know, the knowledge and belief system of mm-hmm. that group, arts, the laws, customs, and so forth. Um, looking at the idea of redefining, what does that mean? Uh, it means to re-examine or re-evaluate something, especially with a view to change it. So mm-hmm. automatically coming to our question, has culture redefined sin and salvation, is actually stating that, yes, it has. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see that that it has in in some ways. Um, And then, of course, looking at the the term sin, it's I guess it's a a term that that people don't like to hear today. Um, People, you know, it it seems to be like an old term, and um, I I guess people feel, you know, guilty or to blame or, you know, like it's one of those terms we don't like hearing much about. But it's interesting, the actual word itself um, has a couple of different nuances or, mm-hmm. or different meanings, and, mm-hmm. and um, the first meaning of the of the word simply means transgression. And First uh, John chapter three and verse four it says, "Whoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for the for sin is the transgression of the law." Yes. So that's the kind of the first biblical definition that we find. For, for the, um, for the word sin. Um, basically the word transgress simply means to step across or go beyond a set boundary or limit. Yes. Uh, this concept can be kind of compared to a, you know, athletic person who's playing on the field where you've got lines demarcating the boundaries within where the where the game is played and if you step outside that line mm-hmm. it's like that you've transgressed mm-hmm. the rules of the game so to speak and of course we find that in the scriptures god has given us um, a standard or a, ba- a set of boundaries or guidelines or principles mm-hmm. if you like for our life through the through the 10 commandments and uh, when we overstep those boundaries, that is when or defined by this idea of transgressing the law or, or committing sin. Yeah. And, you know, we just mentioned about uh, during the week we talked about if um, if uh, culture changed our picture of God, you know, yeah. um, then uh, uh, what are the boundaries and standards God has set for us? That defined sin. Yeah. Um, Exodus chapter 20, uh, we read there, it talks about the Ten Commandments. They're also given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 5 as well. But there are ten principles of love that God has given to us to to help us know how we're to live our life. Mm. To give us, um, you know, like when you think about a family, they've, they've, they've got... Um, 
you know, the mum and the dad, and they've got kids, you know, they've got certain boundaries within the home. And if yes. you overstep this particular boundary, then th- th- you will face the consequences, you know. But th- but those principles are given to us in love, aren't they? Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's, it's given to us in care. And so those principles that we find in the Ten Commandments, the first one, it says, do not have any gods before you. Um, do not make for yourself an idol. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we find that the first four principles of love, are kind of directed vertically towards God. Mm -hmm. But then the last six have to do with our relationships with one another, the horizontal, if you like. We find there in in commandment number five, it talks about honoring your mother and father, uh, do not commit murder, do not uh, commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify or bear false witness against your neighbor, and then finally, do not covet. Yeah, and you know, you said um, the first part, the second part, uh, and I hear a lot this, uh, that the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue as we know it, is not um, in place anymore, it's not valid, because oh, Jesus yeah. reduced it only to two commandments, which yeah. is love your God yeah. with all your heart, with your might, and you know, and love your neighbor as, as yourself. yourself. That's mm. it. You don't need to keep other commandments. But yeah. you, you said something a bit early here, but in the first part of mm. the four commandments referred actually to the first commandment which Jesus mentioned, and the last part of the Decalogue refers to the second part. That's correct, yeah. yeah. Which, which means the, the law is still valid. Oh, yeah. I mean, as we'll see today, at the heart of this discussion, looking at has culture redefined sin and salvation, We'll see if you throw out the Ten Commandments, then you no longer have any moral compass to guide you in your mm, life. Mm. Once that's thrown out, then you can basically you are your own determinant as to what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And yet the Bible teaches us that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, yep. so we can't trust ourselves. We need a law from God to help guide us in our life. But you throw that out, and then yeah. And interesting trouble. saying that uh, the guidance and um, I, when I've been asked many times uh, about the law of God and uh, because I'm, you know, I speak about the law of God, I uh, uphold the law of God, yep. uh, people will say, oh, you are a legalist. That's right. And I yep. say, why are you saying that? Mm. Why are you saying mm. that mm. you are a legalist? Uh, because you guilt. believe, yeah, because you believe uh, uh, you are saved through yeah. keeping the law. Mm. I said, not at all. Mm. Not mm. true at all. I am saved by the grace of God only you know, yeah, but absolutely. because I am saved, mm. I keep the law. It's a result because mm. you are saved and you are in that relationship and the law is actually a protector, if you like. Absolutely. It's like, a, it's, it's like you know, I think of it in terms of, you know, if you're going up a, a steep mountain and it's a very narrow path and, mm. uh, you know, you've got that, that boundary, that guardrail along the side to protect you from falling off the edge. The law is like that, but you remove that that guard that guardrail, mm. and uh, the, the the risk of falling over is increased exponentially as a result. And so, yes. yeah, it's something that protects us. But you know, as you were saying, that it got me thinking of um, John fourteen and verse fifteen. Jesus says, "If you love me." keep my commandments. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's straightforward. We, we don't keep the commandments in order to be saved. We keep the commandments because we are in a saving relationship with Jesus. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Very mm. good. Yeah, so so coming back to our question, you know, what is sin? Just defining some of the terms. Um, I'll probably miss the other two because I think transgression 
kind of sums it up pretty clearly there. Mm. But you know, what about this idea of salvation? What is salvation? Of course, within Christian um, circles, you often hear the phrase, Jesus saves. You see it on T-shirts. You see it on car bumper stickers. You hear it in conversations, maybe not so much today, mm. Mm. Um, but in books and so forth. But the obvious question which arises from that statement, Jesus saves, is saves us from what? I mean, what do we need to be saved from? And uh, there are two things that I see in the Bible that we need to be saved from. The first one is death. You know, there's an old saying, uh, Nick, that says there are only two things in life that are that two things that are sure in life. That is Certain. death and taxes, <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, and and look, we all know most of it. I'm sure many of our listeners have experienced the loss of someone close to them. Yeah. And death is a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the Bible tells us in Romans uh, chapter six and verse twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. So if we commit sin, the the wages that we receive as a result of doing that is ultimately death. Yeah. Um, but it goes on. It doesn't stay there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is a way out of this dilemma. Amen for that. And, and the other good news, we read in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus said the following. He said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And mm. I have the keys of Hades and of death. So Jesus makes this claim that he has the ability to resurrect us, even though we may die in this life, yep. that we can live in the next. And that's the, the wonderful good news. So that's the first thing. We find that we need to be saved from death. Secondly, we need to be saved from sin, which leads to death. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we, we need to be saved from sins. So we read texts in the Bible, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Says the following: If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and it says believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Yes, that is wonderful, wonderful news. Um, Acts sixteen thirty to thirty one. It says, "Sirs, this is um, uh, Cornelius asking this question. He was a Gentile, not a believer, but he said, What must I do to be saved?' And so they said to him, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household.'" And then, of course, you alluded to this verse earlier, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine: "For by grace are you saved through faith, not and of yourself. It is a gift of God." Not of works, lest any man should boast. So mm. um, here we see uh, one one final verse, Acts four and verse twelve. May as well get them all in. <laughs> Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, referring to Jesus yes. here, by which we must be saved. So here we see when it comes to salvation, yes, we need to be we we, we need to be saved from the the penalty of death. And we need to be saved from sin. Sin is which leads to death, but Jesus has the keys to resurrect us and give us that eternal life. Beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, uh, Ernst, I will just take a short uh, break here. Uh, advertise um, a great book. Wonderful. The Great Controversy. And um, again, uh, those of you who are listening, just write down this number. You can um, have it delivered, particularly here in South Australia, if you like, uh, we'll uh, get it to your door free of charge, no obligation. The number is 0401-305-077. And here's the, the ad for this amazing, amazing book. When your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. 
Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. It's also good to have David with us again. And um, thank you very much, David, for taking uh, time to come and share with us uh, here on Faith FM. Thank you very much, Nick. David, uh, your ministry, Family Voice Australia, has been running for decades. Yes. What changes are you seeing in in culture's understanding of sin and salvation? The reason I'm asking you that question, David, is because uh, we are dealing with uh, this uh, subject, church, in a cultural setting. Mm. Today we are going to look into um, an aspect of uh, uh, how culture change our views mm-hmm. in regard to sin and salvation. Yes. David, uh, what's your experience? Mm. Indeed. Well, our ministry certainly has been going for many decades, uh, starting in the mid-1970s, in response to darkness that was coming upon Australia, Britain and other Western nations in the 1960s especially. So there was a decline of faith, there was a decline of community standards. And uh, marriage in particular and sexuality were starting to be trashed, if I can use that American term, mm. around about that time. And also the status of unborn life was diminishing at that time. And also freedom, would you believe, to share the message of Christ has been undermined. So we're seeing those changes and we're being confused about what is right and wrong in relation to those things. So salvation is to do with delivering us from sin. Mm-hmm. So before we can be delivered from sin, we need to know what sin is. Correct. So that we can repent of it. So if we don't know what is right and wrong in our confused culture, then salvation is something that we, as, as a people, are not going to embrace the way we should. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned that uh, thing, uh, right and wrong, mm. and you mentioned also about the value of family. And mm. uh, can I ask you this question? What is right and wrong about human sexuality, David? Yes, the culture is very confused on this matter. Uh, sexuality, like everything else, is understood rightly as one of God's gifts when it's in submission to Christ as Lord. So we've taken Christ out of the picture And so taking him away, taking away his lordship, taking away the claims of God on our sexuality Mm -hmm. is going to cause a lot of trouble. So we we recognize this in the very terms that are used to describe non-marital relationships. So we used to speak about living in sin. Remember that phrase from the 70s, living in sin. Well, then that changed to become shacking up. (laughs) <laughs> and then that became living together, yep. and then that became de facto marriage. So how have we gone from living in sin on the one hand to de facto marriage? De facto means in fact, mm-hmm. but it's not in fact. So how have we confused these things? Jesus sharply corrected our thinking in the matter, you know, when he deals with the woman at the well. He says to her, the man you now have is not your husband. Mm-hmm. So in fact, he's not the husband. So our culture needs to understand the words of Jesus in this matter. And then turning to uh, abortion. Abortion was a criminal offense, except for exceptional circumstances, but it's become effectively 
available on demand, and here in South Australia, the, the bill was just introduced two days ago, to allow abortion until the day of delivery. Right. It's just unbelievable, Nick, what's, what's going on when we take Christ out of the picture. As I mentioned, all during the week, we are tackling questions like, has culture changed mm. our picture of God? Mm. And can culture change the truth? Uh, has culture changed the church? Mm. And you hear these things in the church more yes. and more these days, David. You do. Uh, this kind of compromises, if you yes. like. And has culture changed biblical morality? Mm. Well, culture can't change the truth, but it can change our perception of the truth. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the culture has changed the church because we've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, it seems. Uh, and so we are playing a bit of a game, some of us in church. Yeah. We, we are not being a people who are called out, who are separate. We are being compromised by worldly thinking. Mm. That, that's why the divorce rate in church is as bad as it is in the world. Yes, you're right. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, and as you just mentioned a bit earlier, David, um, in this context of right and wrong, concerning, particularly concerning unborn human mm. life. Yeah. What would you yeah. like to share with us well, in this regard? It's just unthinkable. It would have been unthinkable 40, 50 years ago that we'd be in the situation we're in now where effectively abortion is available on demand mm-hmm. and there are doctors out there, I'm told, who are even filling out the forms in advance of seeing the patients. But that's all going to go if the South Australian Parliament passes the bill that was introduced this week. You wouldn't need to go and see two doctors. You just say... I want an abortion, give it to me. Wow. Uh, up to 22 and a half, uh, 22 weeks and six days. Where they got that date from, I don't know. The, the arbitrariness is just amazing. But then after that, until the day of delivery, as long as two doctors agree that it's uh, medically warranted. So uh, we are in a, in a terrible situation mm. now where we are calling evil good and good evil yes you're right david and uh, maybe just to conclude uh, on on this short talk with you today what about sharing the christian gospel yes what is the message of salvation yes David? yes well the message of salvation we'll get right to at the end but before that the freedom to speak about the message of salvation is under attack because of anti-discrimination law Mm-hmm. So if you are precise about sin, particularly sexual sin, you're at risk of being hauled before anti-discrimination tribunals. But how can we preach the truth about sin if we can't be precise about sin? So Correct. that's a real issue. Yeah. And incredibly, in Adelaide, I'm not sure about other jurisdictions, but I suspect it may be similar, the, the city council has banned preaching in Rundle Mall. But incredibly, you can busk there, so you can you can sing the gospel, but you can't speak the gospel. Mm. Go figure. So uh, preaching is not something that the council wants, um, but we should be free in the marketplace to speak. In Adelaide, we've got uh, a building which used to be the Adelaide Fruit and Produce Exchange. It's on Grenfell Street. So it's a public public place, a marketplace, and written over the top of it are these, these beautiful words from Scripture. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's just reminding buyer and seller as they come in as to who is the one that we need to trust, who mm-hmm. is the provider. So you've got, you've got a, a sort of snippet of the gospel message there in that public place. We've lost the value of having the gospel in the public square. Yeah. 
Now, you've asked, what is, what is the message of salvation? It's very simple. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm. That's out of the book of Romans. Very short and sweet. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's no merit, there's no works, there's yeah. no formula, yeah. there's no involvement of clergy or religious officials. It's but it's really between me and God, isn't it? Absolutely. Between you and God. And all other things, as you just mentioned, they have their own place, you mm. know. But mm. uh, uh, in in as you just said, in in terms of me and God, yes. it's so simple and so direct. And God is not uh, make it difficult for us. Make it as simple as possible, even though to as much as uh, you know he can give exactly you know from god to exactly. to restore that relationship thank you very much david again for being able to come with us and uh, all your uh, thoughts and input uh, to this uh, radio program and i wish you god's blessings as you continue to uplift the truth of the bible and to uh, share with people wherever you go may god be with you and with the family voice of strength thank you so much nick when your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. That's really a great book, and uh, don't hesitate to put your hands on it. Send us an SMS right now, if you like, on 0401-305-077. I'll make sure that uh, you'll have this book in your hands. Ernst, as, um, we talked with David also about yeah. uh, uh, these aspects of sin and salvation and uh, um, the cultural shift and changes around. I wonder if we can look um, at uh, some researches done uh, recently in uh, this regard and see how people think, how the church think, how a Christian mm. um, look at uh, this, uh, all these uh, issues which we are uh, dealing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming back to our question on has culture redefined sin and salvation? Um, some research that was done over in the States, and of course the States, uh, America seems to follow, uh, uh, sorry, Australia seems to follow America mm -hmm. quite closely. Um, and, and some of the uh, information that they found or research that they uh, put out there and discovered was, was the following. Basically, new research reveals that unlike past generations who, who readily recognize the reality of sin and the need for salvation through Jesus Christ, what David was sharing with us a moment ago, uh, many people today are increasingly adopting a salvation can be earned perspective. Mm. Um, something like 48% of adults believing that if a person is generally good or does good things during their life, that they will earn a place in heaven. Um, according to the same study, only one-third of adults, something like 35%, disagree with that. And that um, particular source comes from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona uh, Christian University. Um, in another study, which uh, comes from George Barner, he's a well-known mm -hmm. Christian researcher, um, he, he came to this uh, 
discovery. Uh, a majority of people who describe themselves as Christians, something like 20, uh, 52%, adopt a works-orientated means uh, to, to God's acceptance. That basically means that through their efforts and good works mm-hmm. that they can get into God's good graces. And, um, you know, the scripture makes it pretty clear. There's nothing that we can do. You know, the Bible talks about all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But uh, God has made a way possible for us to be reconciled back to him through what he did on the cross of Calvary. And, um, you know, just some other things quickly here. We also see through some of this research Basically, we find people, you know, shows that their concern regarding personal sin mm-hmm. is on the wane. And again, I think David beautifully brought that out in his uh, his talk there. Something like only 56% of adults saying they consciously and consistently attempt to avoid sinning because they know it offends God. And so this lack of concern about breaking God's law is uh, further witnessed by the fact that 48% of adults believes that if a person, again, is generally good or does enough good things during their life, that they will earn a place in heaven. Mm. Which means, again, you work your own salvation. For, yeah, for your own work and effort. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's a tricky one because uh, that allows an open door to say, mm. it's okay, it's mm. okay if you do this, if you do the other things, as long as you kind of, you know, balance if yeah. you do good enough. Yeah. But again, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. And he says, Paul writes, not of works, mm-hmm. lest any man should boast. So we're not going to get to heaven and say, Nick, hey, I'm here because of what I did. You know, We're yes, only going to yes. get to heaven and say, hey, I'm only here because of what this incredible man, Jesus Christ, did on my behalf. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Keep going on that. Uh, All right. That. So, um, yeah, some of the results that, that came from that research. I'll just read you a couple of statements here, which mm-hmm. I, I find interesting, which relates very much to our topic today. Um, it says here, if you step back and look at the big picture painted by all of the outcomes in this research project, it seems to suggest that people are in an anything-goes mindset when it comes to faith, morals, values, and lifestyle. Um, people appear to be creating unique, highly customized worldviews based upon feelings, experiences, and opportunities rather than working within the boundaries of a comprehensive, time-tested, consistent worldview. Mm. Um, it also goes on to say here that most people say that the objective of life is is feeling good about yourself and that all faiths are of equal value, that entry into God's eternal presence is determined by one's personal means of choice and that there are no absolutes to guide or grow us morally. Wow. I, I find that a really difficult statement there because that's basically saying, well, you can throw out the Bible and it's okay, I'll live according to the way I yeah. feel. And that, that's that's pretty dangerous uh, foundation to, to build upon. Another statement here, it says, by abandoning our moral standards and traditions and replacing them with inclusive and conditional preferences, we are losing the foundation um, what have enabled the American experiment to succeed for more than two centuries. Now, obviously, that's referring to America in particular. Yeah. But um, they're basically saying that when we throw out the Bible, the country is going to be in trouble. And I think we could say the same here of Australia as well. When you summarize what these research, what this research is saying, mm-hmm. basically to answer the question straight up, has culture redefined sin and salvation? Again, I need to come back to Dave because I really appreciated that statement. He said that culture can't change the truth, but can change our perception 
of Hold truth. I think that is, was a brilliant statement, and it's so true. I don't believe culture can change the truth of God's word, mm. but it certainly has um, worn down what the, the the Bible teaches about sin and salvation. Yes. As we've seen from this, uh, that the results of these um, research studies, um, you know, the Bible it tells us in in Matthew chapter seven and verse thirteen, it gives us really an insight into why society is hell bent on redefining. Sin, mm, mm. And it says there, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So according to the disciple Matthew, the road to destruction is wide because humanity is the one who is widening mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and it's not God. And you know, just on that one, uh, quickly, I um, remember my bro- oldest brother's uh, words. I mean, he's an um, Orthodox and he will say uh, things like this. Uh, wherever goes the majority, I will go too, you know. I mean, look at the, yeah. you know, but that's not the uh, biblical, uh, yeah. uh, God, when you look, when you look in the, in the scripture, God always has a faithful people. And mm. it's often a group within a group mm. that, that there is a, you know, he has his people, but even his people are disobedient and rebellious, but he has a faithful group within the group yes. that, that, uh, he, yeah, consistently throughout scripture. Yeah. 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 Um, so we find today's culture, you know, wants the ability to do whatever it wants with little to no consequences and there's this real sense of entitlement where no one can tell me what I can and can't do mm. and I believe we've arrived at a place Nick where uh, people say that there's nothing right and nothing wrong you have your truth and I have mine yes and this is a result of throwing out you know the scriptures again I spoke about the Ten Commandments being a moral compass to guide us to show us the way that we should live our lives but once you reject that then it's up to yourself to determine what is right and what is mm. wrong and as I said historically the Ten Commandments have given us that that direction that that boundary that we were talking about earlier and uh, you know if, if we can remove the the blame the shame the guilt from the actions of our lives then we are essentially free to do whatever we yeah. want without any repercussions mm. and uh, but again the, the, the scripture is God's love letter to show us hey this is how I want you to live not in order to be saved but because you love me and and God has given us these incredible principles to help us guide us in, in our walk with him so we find that forgiveness of sin comes from you know from repentance and a change of heart in our lives when we turn to God and submit our will uh, to his will and mm. then allow the Holy Spirit to bring about those changes in our hearts. So redefining our society so society doesn't look at them or us as sinful is not going to change the end result. The, the, that wide road leads to destruction. There's nothing um, and there is no redefining that. Yes. So, um, yeah, that, that is why, yeah, culture has certainly impacted people's perception of sin and salvation. But God's truth is, is still real. It's still applicable to people's lives today. Absolutely. Hey, uh, it's time to go to some music right now. And I would like to play a song by Harmony Quartet called um, What Will You Do for Jesus? Please stay with us. This is Faith FM. Drive time. We'll be back in a minute.
and lay down your life. I don't know if I understand love enough to die for a friend, but Lord, help me to love enough to lay my life on the line for you as I live. Help me to take risks, reach out my hand, open up my heart for those in my life for love of you. Give me Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is Ernst Williams. And our big question for today, has culture redefined sin and salvation? Yeah. Ernst, we look into some passages of the Bible. We we heard the, also the, the comments of David there also. Now, why has there been a shift away from the biblical truth regarding Sin and salvation. That's a that's a really good question, Nick. Um, yeah, I, I think there are a couple of reasons why we've seen this this uh, seismic shift away from biblical truth. I mean, some of the things I think has already been mentioned throughout the course of this week. But um, uh, one thing in particular, I think a lot of people today are growing up in faithless families. Mm. You know, back in the day, ten, well, maybe. I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years ago where people were a lot more spiritual, more religious. The Bible was read in the home, so people were grown, you know, the children were taught from the scriptures and so forth. So they grew up in homes where they believed the scripture. But today, more and more so, people are, you know, separated from the word of God, and as a result, they grow up in uh, faithless homes. Another reason, I think, for the shift is... uh you know, people have stopped believing in religious teachings. I mean, you barely get religious teachings in school now, do you? Yes. I've just moved to South Australia. I'm not sure what it's like here, but I know in other places, uh, you know, coming from Queensland, New South Wales, that um, in my time back in the day, they used to have a thing called RE, religious education, where you would I- at least find out. But I, from what I understand, that does not happen anymore. Or mm-hmm. well, it's very rare. So um, another reason. So people, you know, Got no clue about what the Bible has to say about sin and salvation. Uh, people going to colleges, in particular, our young people. You know, you got a particular environment where you know people are influencing them, and there's other worldviews that are being promoted mm-hmm. within colleges and universities. And as a result, they're being again led away from the the teachings of Scripture. It can be a very difficult time for them as well. Um, intellectual challenges. That's another reason why people, uh, we see this shift in, in trusting what the Bible has to say in terms of, um, you know, people, all of us, I think in life, we have 
questions that that come up and we we wrestle and we struggle with them try and make sense of them but for some people when their questions cannot be answered they assume that maybe their faith is uh, inadequate or irrelevant that well if i can't get the answer to this particular problem then well y- you know it mustn't be true or mm. they just you know shelve it kind of thing and and some of the big questions in life when you think about it nick things like you know if god is loving why is there so much evil in the world yes. if god created the world in 6 days what about evolution and the dinosaurs, where do they fit into the picture? And, you know, why would a good God send people to hell? I mean, that is a big topic which has created probably more atheists than any other uh, question. But uh, but there are very clear biblical answers to these questions um, if people take the time to study them and understand it. Um, I think another thing, emotional challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are brought up today in society that uh, where they're, you know, um, uh, through some of the emotional challenges that they go through, uh, things like you know, m- maybe you know a loved one had cancer and they're praying for that person, and then that person passes away, and then you know that raises the question: Well, God, if you're real, yes. why didn't you allow my you know my mum or my dad or brother or sister, yes. whoever, um, to to live through this? Why didn't you hear my prayer? And as a result, people kind of give up on God through things like that as well. So emotional challenges, you know, mm-hmm. even people's perception. You know, their earthly father has given them such a, a horrible upbringing in life, and and they transfer that to God and think, well, if this is what God is like, then I want nothing to do with him kind of thing is another thing as well. Um, another thing people look at is, um, you know, you look at the church sometimes, and, um, I mean, realistically, uh, the, the church has been described as like a hospital for for um a hospital for sinners <laughs> rather than a showcase for saints but there's a perception out there that people going to church have got their act together that you know that that there's this unity and and oftentimes that that's not always the case whenever you're bringing people together sometimes um y- you know there's struggles there you know there, there's tension and um some people you know may come to church check it out see that tension and think well if this is you know what what church is like and what you know the bible uh, they they're seeing this um, disparity between what they're reading in the mm-hmm. scripture and what they're seeing in the church and that can cause some people to leave, leave as well too um, and probably yeah one other very interesting thing that causes people you know to kind of uh, a shift in in believing in biblical truth as well is issues about sex i think it was kind of yeah. touched upon earlier this week as well too when you when you look at the the cases of sexual abuse within the clergy today it's it's very prevalent isn't it in society and um as a result of that people want you know don't trust the church um people don't want to be coming along and um you know, and and also some of the stuff you hear from certain individuals regarding the the negative teachings and treatment of gay and lesbian mm-hmm. people as well. Some of those struggles sometimes it can be put in a way that um, kind of looks down on those individuals, and as a result, they uh, you know people want nothing to do. They think the church is irrelevant, and and as a result, you know, yeah, not yeah. applicable to their life. So yeah. th- these are some of the reasons we find that. Um, yeah, there's been this shift in the belief in the in the scripture. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. And as as we looked at that uh, research also uh, a bit earlier, it's uh, staggering, you know, to to find uh, things like this. Uh, there is no absolute moral truth. Yeah, fifty eight percent of the people um, believe that. Or um, uh, basis of truth are factors or source other than mm. God. Yeah. Now you see the the change is huge, you know, and 
That's what we mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, there's this idea of objective truth. I mean, mm. do we believe the Bible is the word of God? Is the the actual words that God has inspired his prophets, you know, thousands of years ago, which is relevant for our society today. Mm. For many, you know, for many centuries people believe that. But today we live in a a uh, pluralistic society where where people, you know, your truth is your truth yep. and I have my truth yep. and I'm going to believe what I want. You can believe what you want and where the scripture is no longer objective truth, yep. you know, and as a result, yeah, um, people, that opens up a can of worms for you to believe whatever you want and it's okay because, yep. yeah. And, and interesting enough, um, uh, I heard about this, uh, that the right and wrong is determined by factors other than uh, the Bible. Not necessarily, you know, you need to go to the Bible to, yep. to find out. And that reminds me of something because, you know, I'm a, a carpenter by trade. You know, yeah. I use uh, tape measure. I use uh, rulers, you know, back in the old days. Um, we use those rulers. Um, and, uh, you know, when I heard the story, it says that two cabinet makers, you know, they were making a table mm-hmm. and they measuring a piece of wood to, you know, to make the thing. And they start an argument and say, OK, no, 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 no. This is uh, too short. No, no, mm-hmm. no. It's not too short. It's right. And they have um, two types of rulers and one was shorter than the other one with uh, uh, whatever, a couple yeah, of centimeters. Yeah, yeah. And they were arguing and saying, no, your ruler is r- wrong, mate. Mm. Say, no way, yours is wrong. Mm. And then that that's the moral uh, lesson here. How should they find which one is the true mm. one? Mm. Because they can make, uh, obviously, a table... If they make it with each ruler, doesn't matter. Mm. Will look a little bit smaller, a bit bigger, doesn't mm. really matter. Yeah. You'll say that's a good illustration. But yeah. actually, they have to go back because they always there is. Um, I'm not sure how you say that in English, but uh, we said that etalon or something like that. It's like the the original. You go with your ruler mm. and with the other ruler and to put it to the original there, and then yeah. you'll find out yep. Yep. <laughs> what's the the true. Yeah, you got to use that that right ruler in the first place, or you're going to come up. You, you, you're not going to get the, the length of the legs are not going to be the same. Or yes. Whatever, and, and, yeah. o- and also through the research, uh, I uh, heard about this uh, also that people are basically good. And the Bible, what the Bible says about uh, people and the goodness of people, uh, the heart is. Uh, uh, well, in the Old Testament, it says the heart, uh, now, during the time of now, the heart is, dis- uh, uh, what is it, desperately, deceitfully wicked. Wicked, wicked yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. that's right. And, and the uh, Bible says that no one has done good, no, not one. Yeah, that's what yeah, Paul says, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was, I was yeah. trying to think of, uh, yeah. of that. And, and the, the personal definition of success is based on, um, uh, con- uh, is not based on consistent obedience mm. to God. You know, mm. there are a few things which really, really uh, throw it out through the window to say so all the principles of uh, the Bible as we looked into just um, a bit earlier. Yeah. And um, hey, uh, time is going very quick. Uh, yeah. I'm going to mention again for those uh, of you who are not here at the beginning when I said that today I'm going to offer uh, another Price for all of you who may send me an SMS on zero four zero one three zero five zero seven seven, and that's a DVD called Cosmic Conflict: The Origin of Evil. If you like this DVD in your hands, please don't hesitate to send me an SMS on zero four zero one three zero five zero seven seven, and we'll make sure that you'll have uh, that DVD in your hands. Now, uh, Ernst, um, just. Uh, to bring it a little bit together, mm-hmm. 
to conclude um, for uh, this uh, sobering question, you know, if culture really def- uh, redefined sin and, and salvation, mm-hmm. how can Christians effectively influence culture uh, today for good? I think there are there are effectively three ways. Firstly, uh, we need to live the way that God has called us to live. There's an old saying, um, you know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You, care. Um, you know, if you talk the talk but you don't walk the walk, then it's not going to make a difference in anyone's life. Mm. There, there are some beautiful verses in the Bible. You know, it says there... In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul, he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22, that I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Mm. And, um, and I think the, the, the one that really brings it home, John thirteen thirty five, it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think that's the greatest witness that we can have to this world uh, about the, the love of God and the truth of God's word is that the way in which we respond and treat one another despite whatever choices they may make in life, that ultimately that Christ may be reflected in our hearts and they can see that we care for them despite the fact whether they believe the same as us or not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter in the end. Well, it does matter, but it, but um, but I think we need to reveal the love of Christ to people so they can see that um, that we're genuine and sincere, and and as a way that ref- channels God's love into their life as well too. Mm. Secondly, I've got there, you know, praying for the leading of the Holy Spirit to open up opportunities for us to be able to share Christ with others and how he's brought about changes in our lives. And then finally, you know, not not to draw away from society, not to become hermits and separate mm-hmm. ourselves from society. Oh, that person believes that, so as a result, I want nothing to do with them. No, we need to engage with people. We need to be present. We need to be active. You know, make a difference. Again, we, we need to be involved, not compromise our convictions and beliefs, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we need to be people mingling with people so so they they have an opportunity to see Christ in us. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, uh, as you just said, mingling and uh, Jesus, uh, I like that um, principle that uh, of Jesus. And uh, I like that phrase, Jesus method alone, uh, when you talk about uh, principles, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, now Jesus was the one who was wrongly accused yep. because he was mingling with people. Yeah, prostitutes and sinners, yes. you know, like, yeah, tax collectors. Even yeah. though he was sinless. Yes. I mean, he yeah. didn't uh, compromise with anything oh, yeah. like that. Mm. But the, the difference today in society is that if a current, you know, it, it's a trend, you know, it's something mm. popular, must be okay, mm. you know, must be good, mm. uh, which, uh, again, it's very difficult for a Christian uh, mm. position mm. Uh, to have an attitude to stand for that truth, yeah, yeah. To, to for the values, as David mentioned, that um, even here in Adelaide, as we speak, uh, the council is uh, you know restricting yeah, uh, preaching freedom of speech, pre- yeah, freedom of speech pr- to preach in the public, the, God, yeah. the public, you know, yeah. and y- you wonder uh, how long will take and, until you'll be totally shut down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. Well, we'll have to bring our gu- guitar down to uh, Rundle Mall, Nick, and uh, sing a couple of songs. It sounds like we can still do that. Yes, <laughs> looks like, looks like. Give out some great controversies as we go along. Yes. <laughs> hey, um, uh, and look, this, uh, I know, will take more 
time and many more um, I, th- I feel like we've programs. only scratched the yes. surface. Yeah, there, that's but right. But what I'm, uh, what I'm trying to say here uh, today and also bring a bit together uh, for all the other programs which we looked at um, uh, earlier uh, uh, Things like, uh, you know, uh, this big question, has culture changed uh, our picture of God? I hope not. Mm. I hope not. Uh, even though we are uh, experiencing a lot of uh, mixing, you know, in culture. I mean, I when, when I grew up, I thought, you know, that's it. That's the, the world, you mm. know. When I came to Australia here and I see so a cosmopolitan culture. Yeah, I thought, mm, that's interesting how easy you can... Uh, lose some of the, uh, you know, original views mm. of certain mm. things. And um, also another one which really um, concerns me, if the culture really can affect the church. Mm. And who's the church? I mean, we are the church. We people. are the people who mm. believe mm. in uh, Jesus Christ, in God. And if that affects us, and um, we didn't look at the um, other details of the survey that uh, many, many Christian, you know, 60, 70% of the people, they changing their views mm. in regard to principles which their parents and, you know, mm. died for, mm. uh, for mm. it. Well, look, we are going to stop here, um, uh, Ernst, today, and uh, I wonder if you would like to pray uh, today and uh, just offer a prayer for uh, for ourselves and the listeners today. No problem at all. Thanks for having me again, Nick. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we uh, we thank you for this time where we can explore this question: uh, Has culture redefined sin and salvation? We thank you for this uh, this week of. Um, uh, you know discussions that have been had in in terms of culture and uh, father we've seen that uh, your word is truth and despite uh, the influence of culture and society upon it lord we know that it will stand the test of time that it will never change um, however culture does influence us and change perspectives and draw people away from your word mm-hmm. and i pray that as we Endeavor to to share the light of your love that people may see a true perspective and the true character of who Jesus actually is, that they will be drawn into his love and drawn to your word. Mm. And so, Father, today I just want to pray for our listeners and pray that you'll bless them, that you keep them and keep them safe and uh, look forward again having the opportunity to be able to share from the word of God. Amen. Thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Looks like our time is up uh, for today. Thank you for joining Nick Krita and Ernst Williams on Drive Time BQ&A. Please join us uh, next time when we are going to ask the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. That's a big one. And we are going to tackle this uh, question uh, the f- next program. Was the Protestant protest a mistake? If you have questions, don't hesitate to ring us, contact us on the numbers and emails we gave you before. Until then, may God richly bless you and uh, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I will leave you with a song, Love Lifted Me by Kathleen Clampert.
Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. 